you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn over to Galatians chapter 1. And in this message, we're going to go through verses 6 and 10, or 6 through 10. And while you're turning there, let me recap. Remember that Paul was out preaching the gospel, and what he was preaching, what we saw in the book of Acts was, he was preaching that Jesus was the Christ. And Christ is the Greek term for the word Messiah, which is Hebrew. He was also preaching that uh, God had fulfilled the promises that he had made to the patriarchs. Now, we went over to Acts 15 and uh, read about how there became this big dissension in the body of Christ where some of the believers were saying that uh, the new believers, the believers that Paul and Barnabas had been preaching to, the Gentiles, they had to come in under the law. Let me read to you Acts 15.5 again. It said, But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. Now, that becomes a huge issue in the book of Galatians, and that's why we're going through this. Paul established the church, the churches in Galatia, and then you see from the context that rival teachers have come in who are teaching or preaching along the same lines as this Pharisee that we just read. They were teaching that uh, the new believers the ones who are not Jews, that, well, they had to come in under the law of Moses. And you're going to see this as we go along in the book of Galatians, but in order to kind of pull these believers in under their wings, they have to what? They have to marginalize Paul. So, so they start to say, well, Paul's gospel is deficient. It's not enough. He's modified it to make it more acceptable to you. They say that he's a freelancer. He's not from Jerusalem. He's not from headquarters, so to speak. And to the Galatian believers, they say that your faith is incomplete. It's materially incomplete. Now, notice in Acts that this, uh, that uh some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees, they weren't uh, nixing out Jesus as Messiah, but they were marginalizing Jesus too because they were elevating, what, the law of Moses. So in Galatians uh, 1, 1 through 5, we went through those in the last message. Paul has heard of these rival teachers and so he lays down his apostolic authority. I mean, he starts off his letter hot saying, uh, this gospel that I received, I didn't receive it from any man or men. I received it from direct revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's go ahead and read our text in this message, starting with verse 6. Paul lays down the hammer. You know, these are new believers. He establishes the churches. He preaches the gospel to, to them. He gets them established, and then rival teachers come in, and they start pulling people off. And he says in verse 6, I am astonished 
that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again, or so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a slave of Christ. Amen. So let's, let's break this down because this is huge. You know, as you said, these are new believers. They have these rival teachers coming in, the, the so-called professionals. And then they get this letter from Paul, and he kind of sets them up a little bit with verses 1 through 5. He, what? He recites an encapsulated version of the gospel, and then he goes in and lays in in verse 6 and 7, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Now, the first thing that kind of rings the bell with you is Moses and the golden calf incident. Remember that in the Old Testament. The, uh, the Israelites were slaves slaves of the Egyptians, and then Moses comes and delivers them, uh, takes them through the Red Sea, and then uh, takes them over to Sinai. Now, that, uh, the Red Sea is seen as a type of baptism, uh, a death and resurrection. They're baptized into the Red Sea, and they come out resurrected as what? As God's new people. And then what? Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to speak with God, and this is what happens. Let me read to you because uh, the, the parallel, it's just parallel. Exodus 32 said, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, We don't know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off your rings and gold that are in the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. I mean, get this. This is just crazy. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That is huge in the Old Testament. I mean, that is the beginning of what Israel's 
apostasy in the Old Testament. And Paul here says to the Galatian believers, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ. Notice that Paul doesn't say, hey, you're deserting me. He said, no, you're deserting God. You're deserting the one who has called you, who has summoned you unto the gospel. And then we move on and says, who called you into the grace of Christ. Remember that Christ is the Greek word for Messiah. So it's a messianic grace. We have all kinds of words these days for grace. I mean, all these, uh, the big one is grace means unmerited favor. I don't know who came up with that, but Paul says here the grace of Christ. He's saying messianic grace, and that is, that is what? His death, burial, and resurrection, and we're going to get into that. So really, uh, when Paul says you're de- quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and turning to a different gospel, these rival teachers are really denying grace, are denying the, really, the, uh, the effects of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It sounds as if they were acknowledging that, you know, uh, there was some kind of receiving of the Spirit, but the law of Moses was still trucking along, and the, the law of Moses was still preeminent. Jesus was kind of like you slide him underneath the law. Now, Paul says here, you're turning to a different gospel, not that there is another one. Uh, The word gospel really means good news. You've probably have heard that. And when you go back in history, it was used by Rome, um, you know, the term good news of uh, military victories you know, good news and military victories or some kind of honors, something like that. If you think about it, the, you have business as usual, and then there's some kind of event that happens, and that's the good news. And that's what you really have with the Messianic grace. But the rivals, uh, their gospel, their so-called gospel is not gospel at all. It's a reversion, actually, back to the present evil age. Now, Paul, Paul describes his gospel um, in different ways. Let's go back up to verses 3 and 4. I've told you before, this is an encapsulated gospel here, account of the gospel. He says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father, of our God and Father. Notice that you have God, you have God the Father, you have the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Lord Jesus giving himself for sins, for what? Some kind of deliverance, deliverance from the evil age according to the will of the Father. That is the gospel encapsulated. Let me read to you another account from 1 Thessalonians, just to kind of show you what Paul is talking about of turning to a different gospel. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul outlines the gospel this way. 
He said, how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. You see, that's pretty much in parallel with Galatians. Only in Thessalonians, um, the emphasis is on the wrath to come, while in Galatians, it's from the present deliverance from the present evil age. So the rival teachers, their gospel is not anything new at all, and it doesn't reflect the import of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Now let's move on. Paul writes this. He says in verse, uh, verses 8 and 9, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As, I, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. What Paul does in verse 8 is that he provides a frame of reference. He says, if, if we or an angel should preach a gospel contrary, let him be accursed. And then he zeroes it down in verse 9 to the rivals who have come into Galatia. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary, they're preaching a gospel that's contrary to what he preached before. And notice that there's no middle ground. There's no dialogue, no compromise, no sitting down and talking this one out. These rivals preaching a different gospel are to be excluded and cursed. And this is really interesting, but really because the rival teachers, when you think about it, they're trying to throw Paul out. Paul has preached the gospel and they come in and they said, hey man, this guy's a freelancer. He's not really doing what he's supposed to be doing. He is, uh, we're going to get into it in verse 10, he's a man pleaser. And they basically are trying to marginalize him, get him out. But Paul here reverses the polemic. He says, you throw them out. Throw them out. And then we go into Galatians 1.10. And he goes back to himself, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? Now, it's interesting that he says that because this, again, is an echo of what these rivals must have been telling the Galatian believers. He says, if I were still trying to please man, I would not be a slave of Christ. Now, go back up to this, or am I, still to, am I trying to please man? Now, one thing that's interesting here, you probably have never seen this before, but in the, in the Septuagint, which is the uh, Greek translation of the Old Testament that actually was translated before the time of Christ, there is included in uh, the Septuagint um, 18 poems, which are called the Psalms of Solomon. And one of them... Uh, Number four, Psalm four, is the Discourse of Solomon pertaining 
to the man-pleasers. And it's basically a diatribe against um, those who would have any kind of uh, modification or any kind of watering down of uh, following the law of Moses. Let me read to you some of the verses here because it's, um, this is basically the attitude that the rival teachers have brought into play. And this is why Paul says, or am I trying to please man? Listen to what the Psalm of Solomon say, and I'm starting in verse 7. It's a little bit different, but you'll get the drift of it when we read all the way down. Verse 7 says, May God reveal the works of men, of men-pleasers, his works with derision and contempt. And may the devout justify the judgment of their God when sinners are removed from the presence of the righteous, the man-pleaser who speaks the law with deceit. See, in verse 8, they're saying, uh, it's going to be great when the judgment of God is to remove the man-pleaser who speaks the law with deceit. And that's what these rival teachers are saying that Paul is doing with the law of Moses. In this psalm, it goes on, it says, And their eyes are upon a stable house of a man, as a serpent to destroy each other's wisdom with words of those who transgress the law. His words are deceptions to accomplish his desire for injustice. He did not cease until he has succeeded in scattering them as orphans. And then verse 14, May his portion, O Lord, be dishonored before you. May his going out be with groaning and his coming in with a curse. Notice how Paul reverses the whole thing there. He says, hey, if these guys are coming in preaching a, a gospel different from the one that you heard from us, let him be accursed. And you can see that the rivals are really setting Paul up, saying, uh, may his going out be with groaning and his coming in with a curse. So that's where Paul gets that. These rival teachers are basically saying to the Galatian believers, he has preached to you a very sloppy gospel. Yeah, Jesus might be the Messiah, but you need to come under the rigors of the law of Moses. Paul is destroying the Torah. He's causing Israel to sin. He's preaching a cheap gospel with no discipline. And Paul, when he responds here, he says, what? Am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? Am I really become, have I really become a man pleaser? Is that what you're telling me? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a slave of Christ. And the reason why he says that is because he's already been persecuted for the cross of Christ. When you go back up through the history of Acts, he's already, he's al he's already been persecuted. He is, he is a man who has, everywhere he goes, he causes riots, uproars, and everything else, especially among the Jews. So he says, you think I'm still trying to please man? Uh, what kind of men am I trying to please? Because I, I'm bearing in my mark, in, in my body, the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So that is, uh, that's the reading for today. 
Um, let me do this. Let me just, in concluding today, some of you might be wondering, well, I'm not sure how all this circumcision, uh, I haven't heard about that in church before. I, it seems like that was way back when. It's not really an issue now. And uh, what I want to say to that is when, when you get into Galatians, you're going to see the right perspective on the Jews. Remember this. In the Gospel of John, when Jesus meets the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, she basically tells him, hey, I'm a Samaritan, and you know, you got the Jews that say you're supposed to worship over here, and you got the Samaritans who say we're supposed to worship on this mountain. She says, you know what, when the Messiah comes, I think he's going to sort it all out, and he'll tell us what's true. Of course, that's a paraphrase, but, and what does Jesus say to her? He says two things that are just, uh, you know, jaw-dropping. One is, he says, oh, you're waiting for the Messiah? Well, he's the one talking to you right now. And then he says this. He says, you guys really don't know what you're doing, you Samaritans, because salvation is of the Jews. Salvation is of the Jews. Go look it up. So what Paul does uh, and here what you have is that you have believers, you have people who have come in and they're actually believers, they're Christians, but they're saying that, well, we still need to follow the law of Moses. And these Jewish Christians are aware that, well, salvation is of the Jews, but the thing is they've got it wrong. And Paul is setting it up to show us just what salvation of the Jews is all about. And that's what we get into in Galatians. And circumcision is really kind of like the big issue for the law of Moses. Um, one thing that these rival teachers are doing is they want the believers to be circumcised because they want to, uh, they don't want to be persecuted for the cross of Christ. And that's one reason why they're saying, uh, they're talking about circumcision. What Paul lays out in Galatians is the whole redemption narrative. And that's something that, as modern Christians, a lot of times we just don't even have a clue about. And that's one reason why we're going through the book of Galatians, so we understand the narrative. You understand what the place is of the Jews when Jesus says salvation is of the Jews? You know, he could have said, well, salvation is of me, but he didn't. He said, of the Jews. So we need to understand why he says that and what his place is in that in being Israel's Messiah. And we get into that in the rest of the book. Amen. So with that said, let me say that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirits. Amen. Until next time.